Welcome to episode 143 of the Martin Bailey Photography Podcast. So, this week we wrap up our three-part virtual tour of Yachiho Kogen, or the Yachiho Highlands, in Nagano Prefecture, a couple of hundred kilometers northwest of Tokyo. Before we get into the main topics today, and take some uh, a look at some photos of big falls, among other things, uh, I wanted to correct what I said at the end of last week's podcast. If you downloaded the podcast more than... Um, a few days after it was released, then you'll have heard the new version in which I updated what I said, so it won't really matter to you. Um, anyway, I, I spoke a little about diffraction at the end of the last podcast and got my terms mixed up a little bit. Much of what I said was okay, but I also spoke about diffraction uh, as being what helps to bend the light as it passes through our lenses, which is of course not diffraction but refraction. It had felt strange when I said it, but I couldn't recall the word refraction and things got a bit messy. Then, on Tuesday night, I received an email from a kind listener, Roger Walton, who pointed out the mistake in what I'd said. And having seen the word refraction, it all came back to me and I felt a little stupid, so I updated the episode and now things should be fine. I explained this a bit in the forum too, uh, but... Having been in Japan for the best part of the last 18 years now, English is really becoming a bit of a, a second language to me in some respects, and I find that uh, I'm, I'm really forgetting a lot of words, and it gets worse uh, when I'm tired, which is pretty much how I was when I recorded last week's episode. So, um, you know, this was a good reminder to me that I, I need to be a little bit more careful when I, pre- prepare, when I prepare and record the podcast. So... Uh, Sorry if I got you confused there, and thanks to Roger for pointing this out. Let's get into the rest of today's podcast now, though. At the end of last week's episode, we were looking at some shots looking up a hillside across a forest where the trees were literally growing over and around numerous large rocks, forming some pretty cool shapes as they straightened up to grow skyward. I was walking along this path to get to a waterfall called Otaki, which literally translates as big waterfall or big falls. The falls were beautiful, uh, and I spent a a little bit of time, you know, here just sort of shooting them. I, I, I don't know exactly how long. I could probably figure it out from my EXIF data, but probably um, around 45 minutes to an hour. And I wanted to look at five of the resulting images uh, first off today. I won't go into too much detail about all of them as we have a a number of other shots to to look at too, but I also don't want to shortchange you as well. And, uh, you know, so I'll go into a reasonable amount, but not too much detail in trying to get these through these relatively quickly. The first shot is number 1815, 1815. Here we can see much of the falls with many rocks, like the ones that the trees were growing growing around, uh, kind of laying in the river there uh, with the water flowing around them. I've used my 24 to 105mm f4 lens at 40mm to crop out a fair amount of the surroundings to enable us to inspect the falls in their full, but without uh, much other distraction. 
There are a number of other shots that we won't look at today, by the way, including some pretty wide-angle shots where we can see um, you know, the water flowing right out of the scene and get a much better feel for the place. But photographically, I don't like them as much as these ones that we will look at in the episode. I will put a link to all of the images that I shot in the area in the show notes, though, in case you're interested in checking them out. You can see here that I've uh, left a pretty large rock with a smaller rock sitting on top of it across the bottom third of the frame. The water is flowing around the side of the large rock and it's sort of calm enough there um, to not be the, like white water um, like most of the rest of the falls, but it still has a lot of ripples giving it some nice uh, texture. We can see lots of um, stuff going off as the water makes its way through the scene across and around the rocks and in the top uh, right we see the largest drop um, you know the falls with the largest drop there which is probably only around 2.5 to 3 meters max I imagine these are called the big falls because of the area that they cover um, rather than the you know the height of the falls but I guess everything is subjective if the people that named these falls had never seen anything bigger these could have seen positively Niagaran this image was shot, by the way, with an exposure of one-fifth of a second at f11 uh, with an ISO of 100. The one-fifth of a second exposure is enough for getting that nice dreamy flowing effect in the water. Much slower than a fifth of a second and you can start to struggle, but we're fine here. One other thing that I like to do with waterfalls is to get out a telephoto lens and single out a few small parts of the falls, as I've done in image number 1817. Here I've found various rocks of which some were uh, pretty, pretty much submerged, uh, some were half submerged and then one just off centre towards the bottom right uh, that didn't have water running over the front of it. Um, it's obviously wet but it's, uh, it's you know, not underwater as, as much as the others are. Um, this means that the moss has been able to grow on this rock and part of the the one below it has a little bit there as well but it really helps to add colour to the shot as I say the, there is moss on some of the other rocks but it's not as much and not as vivid here I've selected a shutter speed of four tenths of a second which is slow enough to give us that flowing water effect but because we're zoomed in on a smaller portion of the falls it also allows us to see a certain amount of texture in the water too we can not only get a feel for the water flowing, but we can also see, see some trails of the water as it splashed up around the rocks, which I think is quite effective. Again at ISO 100 with an aperture of f11 and shot with my 70-200mm f2.8 lens at 170mm. Uh, Note too that I've composed this shot to allow the water sort of to both flow into and out of the frame. In the next shot, image number 1819, I've kind of purposefully not given the water a passage out of the frame. You can see here that I've cropped in a little tighter than the first image that we looked at today. Now shooting with my 70-200 set wide open at 70mm. As we follow the water through, we can see that there are gaps for it to flow out of and obviously we know that there, that, you know, these are waterfalls. There's got to be somewhere for the water to go, but we don't necessarily have to see that. 
Um, so I was basically conscious of sort of placing these rocks along the bottom when I made the image. And I think it works like this as well. With a shutter speed of six tenths of a second now, I'm making the water seem to flow even more. Uh, I was shooting at uh, f11 still, but this time I'd reduced the ISO to 50 to enable me to get an even slower shutter speed. For overall compo uh, composition, I really like this one, with the main falls taking up most of the top third of the frame, with a nice slice of green at the top there above it. But also, the rocks kind of outline the larger expanse of water that occupies most of the bottom of the frame, making a kind of loose border around the flowing water. Balance is important, and in the next two shots, I want to explore the difference between having something at the bottom of the frame to anchor it down, as opposed to a shot that doesn't have that. I like both of these, but uh, there's definitely a difference that I think that we can learn from. Let's first look at image number 1820. Now I've moved up a lot closer to the main falls and positioned myself so that there are four rocks running across the bottom left to the center of the frame. And I've also placed a fifth rock in the bottom right hand corner. I feel that these rocks really help to put things into perspective and if anything, I'd have preferred, I'd probably liked a few more rocks along the right hand side too. But I'm not sure how that would have looked. I also like being able to see the quality of the water, the texture of the water in the basin, um, which having the right side open allows us to do. I've placed the green le uh, the leaves at the top right, uh, which I feel adds a secondary focal point. And I was kind of lucky to have another patch of green in the top left corner, which helps to add balance to this all as well. Still at ISO 50, I shot this at f11 for half a second, so again we have lots of nice dreamy running water, but not overdone in my opinion. Let's now look at image number 1821, in which we can see pretty much the same shot, but I've stepped a pace or two forwards to get a different look at the falls. Although the two patches of green leaves are in almost exactly the same place in the, as in the last shot, I've actually zoomed from 70 to 220 millimeters to get pretty much the same framing in both shots. The only difference is that I'm now looking down on the falls um, at a slightly different angle, which has of course enabled me to not include the rocks. Now, although I like this shot too, as we can see, the effect of the flowing water there, you know, kind of gives us something. Um, you know, it's it's got some interest, um, and definitely, you know, being able to see the basin of the falls um, is has its own sort of you know merits. But I really feel that it's not as well composed overall as the last shot with the rocks. The you know they really help to anchor the shot and provide a lot of overall balance. It does force the question as to whether or not I would have liked this uh, second version better if I'd. You know, not seen the original, you know, the first one with the rocks, but I guess I'll never know. I've seen it now. I would certainly not have um, thought about just how different adding something like these rocks was, though, in the foreground and how much it changed the image without having tried. So I'm glad that I did, and I'm kind of interested uh, to, to hear what you think as well. One last thing that I wanted to mention before we move away from the falls 
is that you'll notice how there are very few bright highlights in these shots. I often try to get to falls when they will be either in the shade or, you know, on, on an overcast day, you know, where, or when the sun is sort of low enough in the sky for the surrounding hills or mountains to stop the sun from hitting the water directly. I'd come here late in the afternoon, and as I arrived, the sun was still catching a number of areas, though literally just a few small patches, and as I explored the falls, the sun dropped still further in the sky and the conditions were just right for the rest of the shots. Of course, sometimes you're going to want to shoot uh, falls in full sun too, but my advice would be to make sure that if you're going to do that, try to get the entire falls lit by the sun. White water is very reflective, so there's there's a lot of contrast there if you have some parts of the falls that are being directly lit and others that are in the shade. And it really takes a lot of working around in post-processing if, you know, even, if it's even, even possible to, um, to sort of say join a few images together and make it look uh, relatively natural. This is just something to bear in mind. Obviously, you know, try, try anything that you can. Um, but I really like to try to get to falls when they're in the shade and it just seems to, it works for me. So with a soggy right foot, um, as I'd managed to step into the water in, at the falls, we walked back along the, through the rocky forest and having scared another deer along the way, we walked back to the car and drove uh, towards the hotel some 20 kilometers or so away. We drove through the place where I'd shot the first couple of black and white uh, images that we looked at, the landscapes that we looked at um, last week, uh, two weeks ago. Um, that, you know, I'd shot those the previous day. And I was hoping that there might be something nice from this location again, but there was no real cloud down in the valley, no mist or anything. And the sky was uh, relatively uneventful today. So we stopped just for a few minutes just to take in the mountain air before going back to the hotel. On the morning of June the 2nd, we got up relatively early and headed out again before breakfast to see if there was any mist around the rhododendron that uh, had been surrounded by lots of photographers the previous day. Although I wasn't that interested in shooting something that everyone else was shooting, you, you can't really deny that it's a nice spot, and I'd have been kicking myself if I'd chosen to stay in bed rather than getting up bright and early and getting out to see if my look was in, and maybe I would get some mist. Anyway, we can see in image 1823 that my look was not in with the mist, but uh, still it's a relatively nice image. I selected a wider angle for this shot using my 24-105 f4 lens at f, uh, sorry, at 32mm, again at f11 for one-sixth of a second at ISO 100. I'd just like to note a few things uh, that I'd kept my eye on while framing up this shot. Firstly, I wanted to give us uh, just a bit of green below the roadie there to, um, you know, basically I didn't want to crop off the bottom of the shot too tightly uh, or, you know, it would have seemed a little bit sloppy. I also made sure that the white birch that runs along the right side of the frame is totally in the frame, not cut off. I also... Um should probably note that I use a spirit level, um, a little bubble that sits in my flash shoe um, to ensure that my images are straight, and this is no exception. 
It means that many of the trees are leaning to the right slightly, but it, that's in real life, you know, they're leaning to the right. So um, I like to sort of to try and get things as, as straight as possible, unless it just really looks strange, and then I'll sometimes break my rule. Uh, also, there are some brown trees that sort of creep into the scene at the very, very left of the frame, and I was trying hard to minimise the extent to which they did so without uh, cutting off the bottom of the white birch along the left of the frame as well, or you know even cutting in far enough so that I uh, I start to chop into the rhododendron. I was shooting in manual mode pretty much as usual, um, so I have no record of exactly how much over zero this exposure was, but I'd say that I was shooting at around plus one or at least plus two thirds of a stop here to make sure that the whites are white and our greens are nice and fresh as well as the pink flowers uh, being nice and bright too. This is one of those times when uh, the histogram is well and truly hitting the right shoulder as well as the sky was blown out pretty badly uh, but I'm not worried about that at all. Um, it was a, a pretty uneventful white overcast, overcast sky and the problem um, that does happen is that you know when you allow the sky to to blow out like this it starts to bleed into the greens of the leaves but this is really not a big deal and when viewed large i actually think it uh, adds um effect i quite like it so i i don't really try to underexpose uh to bring out the you know the white um you know that to well to, well to allow me to um correctly expose the sky because it's really the least important part of the shot to be considering um, and also, you know, I, if I was to start to underexpose to try and keep the histogram correct, then I would have muddied the, the colours of the, the plant, you know, the, the pink flowers, the greens would have got much darker and the white trees would have been grey as opposed to white. So I really don't want to do that and I'm not really into messing around with it too much in post-processing to try and bring that out either. So, you know, this is pretty much, you know, where I stand. I'm, I'll overexpose the sky a little and um, and enjoy the uh, the bleeding of the, the sky into the greens. So a little bit more light-hearted shot next with image number 1824. As I said last week, when I came to this uh, tree on the previous day, I'd found it because of all of the cars parked at the side of the road. And it was not like the um, the, the red roadie that I'd found further around the, the, you know, the corner, a little bit further along this road and that we'd looked at over the first few episodes of this series. Uh, but you know, I'd found one that, um, that one was all to myself, and I could just do what I wanted. But here, um, when I'd come the previous day, I had to wait uh, quite a while to get a spot, uh, pretty much where the, the guy with the off-white jacket is, second from the right in this shot. And I really wasn't that interested in hanging around long enough to, to get another spot to, to shoot from a different angle. Um, I actually, though, um, shot the last image that we looked at from a little bit further around from where that guy on the far left of this shot is. Another reason why I'd come back here on this last morning uh, of our stay as, was because it was a Monday, and I figured that the Sunday crowds uh, were, you know, were not going to be here just because it's sun, it was Sunday, um, you know, you're obviously going to get a lot more people up here um, when there's no work to be done. Um, still, though, um, some of the over-60 White Lens Brigade were here doing their stuff, and I actually felt quite happy that despite my job keeping me 
uh, very busy. You know, my day job uh, keeps me very busy in Tokyo. And I, at least though, I, I felt lucky that I can get away and be, be here myself on a weekday, enjoying the mountain air and, you know, the, the wonderful art of photography that we all love so much. This is the only image from the series. Uh, I just want to reiterate this. I did mention uh, maybe last week or the, or the two weeks ago in the first episode that um, everything that I shot um, in this series except this one were shot with a tripod. Um, you know, I really just feel as though even if it um, the shutter speed doesn't warrant it, um, when you when it, you're not really needing to shoot high paced sort of stuff, use the tripod helps you to. Uh, to really sort of think your think things through, frame things up uh, more thoughtfully, and just basically, in my opinion, do a better job. So again, after a little uh, pre-breakfast shooting, we went back to the hotel and ate, and then we packed our stuff away and checked out before heading back out and making our way back to Tokyo. We'd decided to go down and take a look at the Lake Matsubarako, um, which is... Uh, what I thought that we might have seen possibly uh, when we rounded the corner to see that that uh, view that we looked at the last two shots in the first of this series with the mountains and then all of the mist in the valley uh, or the clouds and you know I thought at the time for a moment that that might have been a lake it looked a lot like it but I knew that the lake down here was not going to be that big and you know I'd I'd been pretty much correct when we got there uh, you know, we drove down to the lake on this last morning, and it really is a, a relatively small, um, and no, no disrespect to the lake, but a relatively uneventful place. It was actually typical of many of these sort of um, resort-type lakes in Japan. It's got the obligatory white, slot, white swan paddle boats that you can hire, and like many, they're all just tied up until the next weekend when you might get a few people that take them out for a spin around the lake. We had a walk around and I decided to shoot some simple scenes of the bright green fresh leaves and grasses and we just had a relaxing hour or so poking around. There was a beautiful Japanese maple tree in a field near the lake which we can see in image 1828. Here once again I'd set up my 16-35mm f2.8 lens very low on my unextended tripod looking up into the tree. This was shot wide open at uh, 16 millimeters with an aperture of f11 again and a shutter speed of one quarter of a second with ISO 100. Again I'm metering for the underside of the leaves so pieces of the sky poking through were overexposed but I'm really just, I won't go into detail again but um, I'm really not worried about that, it's the overclass, overcast sky. If, uh, if it had been a clear sky, uh, the contrast would have been too great for the, to get this shot anyway without a little bit more messing around. Um, it would have been a different sort of uh, feeling and everything, so nothing to pull myself to pieces about here. You can see how the wide-angle lens has given an effect. This is a pretty big tree that we're looking up into, but we'll see shortly that that really isn't the case. Let's look at another uh, angle, another, a different perspective here, which is image number 1829. Here I've switched to my 70-200mm um, f2.8 lens, and I'm looking up into the underside of the tree in much the same way, but now flip the camera 
around to uh, landscape aspect rather than portrait. Again shooting at an aperture of f11. Now shooting at one-sixth of a second um, with ISO 100. We can see the shape of the leaves more now and how the leaves sort of you know close to the to the top of the the tree there are starting to sort of blow blow out a little bit with the sky um still not worried about this and actually think that it might add to the shot here too the thing that i don't like about this image is that there are two patches of leaves just a couple of leaves on creeping into the bottom left and the top right and i saw these when composing the image and tried to sort of work around them a little bit but i really didn't um you know i i, I thought that they might work um but you know was conscious of them and and i think i should have just uh tried to get rid of them i couldn't go much tighter though without messing around with the overall composition um i was thinking that you know there was something there for some reason i can't quite imagine why uh, but later i wondered why I, I i didn't just take a slightly shorter focal length and shoot from a close a closer distance and i think that this you know they, like i said there may have been something in the way um it seemed just so obvious to me though and you know maybe i just didn't think of it at the time as we were sort of we weren't really 100% on photography anymore and you know my other half was also already now um to go back to to tokyo that you know the tokyo that we'd so happily fled a couple of days before this to get some idea of just how small this tree really is though let's take a look at one last image for today which is 1825 actually shot uh, before the last few and um, I, I wanted to just show you the effect of the wide angle lens and you know the, of the, the effect of looking up into the tree before seeing uh, that this really is a small tree and that the perspectives that we choose can really change how we see something there were a couple of flowering rhododendron trees in the background here which I played with a little uh, but still here, the bright green of those, you know, the fresh green on those uh, maple trees had really grabbed my attention much more. I used uh, F11 again here and separated the foreground from the background a little um, with that, you know, slightly shallow depth of field, though allowing the roadie to at least have uh, some part in the background, in the, in the bucket, and giving it a place in the shot. I was conscious here of the position of those uh, grass seeds to the the bottom left just you know right in the left corner and a few inches further to the left was a post which i didn't want to include and to the right was another lamp post or or something um man-made that uh, i was working very hard to get rid of as well and basically composed this uh, this shot in quite tight parameters but still i quite like it um, not a not a brilliant shot, but it's uh, you know it's relatively nice and a good reminder of the, of the day, and really a nice sort of a, a good last hour in a, a long weekend, a relaxing break from the big city, and really just sort of now winding up to head back to that big city, and uh, be, you know feeling a lot more ready to face the grindstone than I was uh, the previous Friday. So that's it for this series in which we visited the Yachiho uh, Highlands and I hope that you enjoyed it. 
I certainly enjoyed actually getting out there and photographing the area. I dare say I'll be going back maybe next year or at some point in the future. Although I'm, you know, right now, I mean, for, for this year, I'm relatively happy with the shots that I brought back with me, but I still really want to get a good shot of the flowering roadies in the mist. There's just one thing that I wanted to run by you before we finish today. Um, many moons ago, I was asked by a number of listeners to reduce the size of the audio files of this podcast. This I did, um, but it means that the audio suffers just a little because of the compression. The audio that you listen to is not quite as good as the audio that I record, as you know, it, it well basically it's compressed. Um, and what I wanted to know, do now is uh, consider or revisit the decision to compress them quite as much. I've uh, created a poll in our forum. And basically, I want I want to know if you still want uh, small files, you know, quick small downloads with um, a little bit of audio quality degradation, or if you are okay with somewhat larger files, and you'll obviously then get slightly better uh, audio quality. So uh, please come along and check out the poll in the MBP forums, uh, MBP podcast forum at martinbaileyphotography.com and let us know what you think and uh, if you can't find the poll check the show notes because i'll put a link in there too and that's it for this week you have a great week whatever you do bye bye photocastnetwork.com your photography resource in the potosphere. Photocastnetwork.com